right, welcome to the show, everybody. It's been a while since I've done this, but it's always been a while since every every time I do something, it's always been a while. So welcome to the new show. The show is called The Scale of It All. This was a, a, a new concept from my old show, which was the new Abnormal Podcast. It was basically just a little project on the side just to get my toes in the water. And uh, after a few thoughts and some rebranding and some remarketing, here we are. And uh, we have a special guest today. This is guest number one of I don't know how many episodes I'm going to be doing for this podcast. Uh, we have Elmo on the other side. Now, Elmo here has a has a podcast who is who's I who, who's I think 159, 160 episodes if you're counting this one deep. So obviously he's gone past the pod fade long ago, and he's on his way basically to becoming uh a more established platform welcome to the show elmo thank you for doing this with me bud hey josh thanks for having me here and um, i hope that everybody enjoys me as a guest i don't know if i a good guest but i will try my best <laughs> yeah you're being humble you know he's being humble when he says something like that you know he's gonna kick ass so yeah elmo elmo has a podcast and your your podcast is called um elmo's world is it yeah, Elmo's World Podcast. The, the, yeah, and uh, he has a very interesting niche. Um, he uh, he is basically, well, we're going to talk about his work later on, okay? We're going to give him a chance to to put his stuff out there and um, basically just uh, see what he's all about. I think he's got a lot of good things to share, especially for people out there who are still thinking about starting a podcast. It's 2021, okay? And people are still fucking thinking about making a podcast, you know, and, um, I, I saw, I saw this, uh, uh, infographic the other day that, um, from a million, there's like a million fucking podcasts now and mm-hmm. 700,000 of those podcasts have one episode, the remaining 300,000, I think I'm just throwing out these numbers out there. I think 200,000 have more than five episodes and the remainder which is less than five percent actually have more than that so if you have a podcast and you have more than seven episodes or nine episodes or more than that then you're obviously part of that category of podcasts out there uh who are part of the 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 small number of podcasts who have enough content so yeah uh again Thank you for doing this with me, Elmo. I, I have a few questions here, and we're just going to start out with a really easy one, okay? And we had a we had like a, a, a pre-call before this, you know, just to get to know each other better. And I had a few time in between that to now, so I prepared a few questions here for you. Really easy. Nothing to worry about. So you want to start no problem, this? No bro. You want to start this, yeah? Yeah. Go for it. All right, man. First question here is, are you afraid of dying? Oh, man, that's a really deep question. <laughs> I'd say no. Why would we be afraid of the inevitable? <laughs> I mean, like, like probably like 20 billion people have died before you. You know, you're no different. Then if that's the fate that we are going to face, then death is something I'd happily welcome. Okay, why don't we rephrase that since why don't we rephrase that? What are you 
what are you more okay we'll we'll, we'll cut the we'll cut the term afraid okay so you're obviously you obviously do you think about dying yes um uh, every day i i use death as a motivation to continue my you know to achieve the things that i want to do and when i think about death it's usually you know related to religion and a lot of uh, philosophy and stuff i mean even not like a lot of really smart people even the smartest person in the world that isn't really fair isn't even 100% sure what's going to happen after we die or what's waiting for us so i mean this is one of the big questions right <laughs> so uh, yeah and so what are your thoughts on this like um where where are you going for uh, for this so i want to know i think about it i think about it actually mm-hmm. i do you know um i recently turned 30 recently and uh yeah i'd be lying to you if i said i i'm not, i don't think about death especially when you when you're at, when you're 30 i don't know if other people out there who turned 30 or who is 30 share the same thoughts mm-hmm. that i have but mm-hmm. you you, you You know those three decades that that have passed. Whatever you've done during those three decades, they would they 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 certainly catch up, and you start feeling these weird twinges and these weird aches, and you never felt that before. Even you know, I'm a pretty active guy, uh, not not to the level that I used to, but I I still try to maintain a certain level of activity. Um, mm-hmm. I do think about death. you know which is which is a there's a there's a follow up question to my question before that uh but that the first question is what do you think about more death or dying i see well that's a very interesting question um well, i mean we have to know the difference first between mm-hmm. what death and dying the process the, the process sorry death basically is what you talked about the inevitable you know the cold mm-hmm. embrace dying is the process of getting there to to the final mm-hmm. point so what what occupies your thoughts more is it death or dying mm-hmm. well uh, i i that's a really good question if i if um someone asked me that on the spot i would say i think about dying more and like a hundred percent of the time that's a good, that's a good answer would, dude yeah it would yeah. be my question answer to that question mm. well um and, and, and an explanation would be that you know as i told you before death is something that we are all going to face so it's something inevitable inevitable and well if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen you know it is what it is but the, the the thing about dying though that's something that we can do about And I always um, come back to my favorite uh, philosopher's quote. You know, um, his his name is Socrates. I pro- everybody probably knows this guy, right? He's I thought big, you were gonna say Joe one. Rogan. No. <laughs> no. I thought no, you were gonna say Joe Rogan. Rogan. I was going to be like, me too. He's my favorite. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> sorry for that, Socrates. Okay. Yeah, Socrates said that um, an unexa- unexamined life is not worth living. Mm. So that. Mm-hmm. so it's it's a real question of so what uh, how if i'm dying right now right i'm in the process of of my cells de- constantly degrade you know degrading and mm. eventually going to uh, disintegrate into just compost 
But so while I'm alive, while I'm while I'm a living organism, what does it mean to have a worthy life? And what and so why would this this re, really smart man, this uh man from two thousand year, years ago, think of th- that the reason uh on how you can have a worthy life is to have it examined and the, that means that you have to ask yourselves questions you have to not be ignorant because the real enemy by of philosophy is the the term ignorance is bliss mm. you know it, it, if we uh, if all philosophers thought this way then they would they would never go anywhere like if, if they face a question and uh for example like oh what would the, the consequence of dying be, right? Then, and they say, oh, we don't know, then no, oh, fine. You know, I, let, we let it go. If all philosophers thought that way, then well, the human race would be no different from sheep, you know, just accepting the, what they, the, the circumstance they're in and just let, accepting the distractions and living this life in a hedonistic way with no... Uh, with no attempt at all to reach the truth. So I myself, I always ask myself questions of how can I make my life worthy and worthy of what, you know, worthy for whom, right? So many more questions. Uh, You answer a question leads to another, another and another, it's endless. But the but I know what I notice right when I, I do my podcast I ask a lot of people from all different kinds of perspectives you know atheists Christians Buddhists Muslims agnostics and uh, I give a, I give huge respect to those who actually attempt to to reach for an answer and not just you know, oh, I don't know, then fine, you know, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to live my life uh, the way I, I would if even if I, if I, you know, if I knew, then it wouldn't matter. If I did know, it wouldn't matter still. I, I believe that something um, that's a virtue that we should not have because the, I, you know, when it comes to truth seeking, I always deter, uh, ask myself, um, would I be satisfied with this tentative answer? And no, I should never be t- satisfied. Uh, for, and so going back to, to uh, what it means to have a worthy life, I, I constantly ask myself this question and have constant attempts as well. For and uh, well, for for now, the tentative answer would be, you know, as to when I think about dying, I think about okay, what would be the the most obvious criteria to having a worthy life? And well, I could actually talk about more about this, but my shortest answer to this is that to have to live a worthy life is to live for what you believe to have meaning. And then there are, we, what we believe to have meaning is different from, for each other, right? It's very subjective. Now for you, Josh, right? Uh, what you find meaningful in life is, for example, living for your children, right? For your daughter, for your wife, living for yourself, being a happy man, trying to 
to do your best to uh, live out your life in a, in, as a good person, helping out the world. But for another person, uh, a meaningful life would be to travel the world, be an adventurer, or 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 have awesome and um you know and extravagant escapades. For start another a podcast. Person, yeah, someone. start a podcast <laughs> for yeah. other people. It's start a podcast. Yeah. And for another person, that the meaning of life would be you know do drugs, party enjoy i know have sex with every girl they meet you know it's very different uh what we find meaningful but eventually that's where that's where we end up you know we fight for it mean we, we fight for we live for and we die for the things that we find meaningful and so uh, this is the up true opposite i would say the polar op- opposite of a nihilist because nihilists believe, right, that there is no meaning in the world, and and for that they act, they end up, you know, um, uh, eventually they they pursue like they go to suicide, depression, all that because they find they find no meaning in life, and and anyone on the opposite side of the spectrum of a nihilist, I would say, you know, I'm I'm just creating this word, nobody. Uh, ever says this word but i would call them meaningist <laughs> something i invented on, with you know, on my own thought, thoughts that mm-hmm. people that believe that there is something meaningful in life right the exact opposite of a nihilist which believes that there is absolutely no meaning in life so anyone that believes in let's say something that they value love growth uh, maybe attempt uh, strive for success, greatness. Then I would say, in your, by my definition, you're a meaningist. And so, how you live your life, accord, according to how you you fight for or live for the things you, you find meaningful, that would be my metric of what a worthy life is, right? If I find my find it meaningful to express myself and talk to people about philosophy and 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 share my thoughts through this podcast and give others a platform, and if I find that meaningful, and I I, I am successful on doing that, you know, and even though there are struggles, there are uh, obstacles in my attempt to to fight for what I find meaningful, and I still go for it still achieve it then i would say that's a very worthy life you know in in terms of like the on the global scale let's say in, in the in, in all all time in history the the people the men the the women the persons that we find we define as great you know the and let's say there's a top 100 people in the world the uh, greatest people in the world we define them by greatness or, or, and these people are great, not because they, they were, were super selfish or anything. We define them as great because they strive for things that is beyond themselves, right? And then in the, in what they find beyond this thing that is beyond themselves, like a goal. And these goals are very meaningful. And not and it eventually these these uh, meaningful goals for them became the meaning for everybody else as well. Let's say you know I uh, let's say Isaac Newton, right? He's a he's a mathematician, scientist, or, or um, 
you know, he's a really smart guy. He just loves mathematics. And you, you have to ask yourself, like, why do we define, like, at, let's say Isaac Newton is a great man. We define him as a great man because he's done something for humanity. You know, he's got, he's in, in terms of the, like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, he has re- self, he has achieved self-realization to the point that he has changed the world, right? And this, and, and this thing, that, this meaningful thing to him, which is a, a personal goal for him, you know, his love for math, solving problems, trying to answer scientific uh, questions, right? It, it has affected so many people and this impact with them has become very meaningful as well. Nor in, let's say even like, um, you know, uh, writers, let's say, or let's say, you know, our, basically our, our countryman and national hero, Jose Rizal, right? He found it meaningful to, to fight for his country by getting education writing novels that would wake awaken his uh his countrymen to the to the colonization and the persecution of of spanish colonial rule right and and he chose to die for for this cause that he found meaningful and we respect him for it and we define him as a hero and a great person because he fought for it but you know, not everyone can be a Jose Rizal, right? Not everyone can be an Isaac Newton, right? On the global scale, but but in terms of the the mass average uh, normal person, how would then they be have live a worthy life? I would say they would. Uh, well, it's it's really simple, right? Um, if they find it meaningful to just live a normal happy life, uh, uh, finding uh, finding fulfillment in a simple job they do being able to support their uh, their children they give them education i'd say that's that's a great life as well and a worthy life and it's you know if they fight for this they live for this meaningful thing then i would say uh, huge respect for them and in the terms of the grand scale of things the scale of it all people, the scale, the scale of, it of it all. Yeah, in the scale, <laughs> in of, the it scale all. of it all. Yeah. In the scale of it all. Um, if if you are a person and you find something meaningful, whatever it is, and you fight for it and you live and you and you reach out, even if so, if it's so far away, you you uh you uh, extend your hand and do everything in your power, be everything beyond your power to reach that and to uh, live for that, even die for that thing that you find meaningful, then that's a worthy life. You know, that's the answer to Socrates' uh, uh, statement that, uh, and that's the proper response. You know, um, how I examined my life and I found that there are things that I find meaningful in my life. And I'm going to live for this, th- these things, and to die for these things, and and that's it. You know, you live the worthy life. <laughs> Sorry for the long answer, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's fine. Roll there. It's it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. No, I think to sum up what you've what you've laid out for everybody to listen out there is life is what you make it. So the meaning of life 
Mm-hmm. Okay, which is a very actually, you led into the second question, so we're just gonna skip that. The second question was supposed to be like, <laughs> what do you think is the meaning of life? And you because the the question of death will inevitably overlap into the meaning of life because it is death is the final constant. And what happens before that, basically, that is the locus of control of everybody. This is where we make a difference because after this, it's anyone's guess what happens after, right? So yeah, life is what you make it mm-hmm. and it, it find a meaning, whatever that may be. It may be something, maybe something great as to like what Sir Isaac Newton did or something as menial as like just keeping your family together. You know, being together as a family is a privilege. You know, a lot of people, there's a, there's a, just, if you look at the numbers, people don't even understand the numbers of like 50% of marriages in the US, for example, end up in divorce. I mean, you hear the numbers, you know what it means, but you don't actually know what it implicates. That means like out of 10, five families stay together, the other five just break apart for various reasons. And that could be a meaning for you, just like keeping your family together or something great as to like solving the the questions as to why why the force between you and your chair the force be, the, the force that's keeping you and your chair intact is the same force that affects whole solar systems and that's what Isaac Newton basically did was he he figured out a way to answer that that this it's the same force Okay, that's keeping it's it's strong and weak at the same time, but yeah, it's the same force. It's the same universal force, and and that's how we came about with the the mechanics that is, you know, gravity. So yeah, uh, going back to Socrates, mm-hmm. don't you think it's crazy how someone as as you know as as wise as he is, he basically got he was killed. So he he was forced. I think I remember like um, he was forced to drink poison. And instead mm-hmm. of him freaking out over this fact that he was going to be executed, and just to pour salt over the wound by his own doing, he was basically forced to to drink hemlock to kill himself. Mm-hmm. He, what he did was he had like a correct me if I'm wrong because you've obviously read up more Socrates than I have. He, I think he had like a, a final lecture with his with his students, okay? And I think Plato was, was it Plato or Aristotle? One of his students was. Uh, Plato. Okay, so so I think he, he, he held one more lecture and he used his own death as this final lecture to teach something before he checked out. It's, it, don't you think people are just fucking insane? instead i mean all the great all the great uh all the great leaders religious uh, religious or philosophers of our time there's a trend and they were all killed by people people they were trying to help the the most obvious there is obviously jesus see how that turned out for him Well, uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, like what I read about uh, Socrates, you know, uh, he was actually uh, given an opportunity to escape and leave his. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, but he had to like Athens, recant you know, or be, like just before. exile. Yeah. But he, they killed him. Like he yeah. obviously had something to say to, to die. Exile, guess, yeah. yeah, because like okay, I'm just gonna. 
anyways, it's it's crazy. I do remember one quote by Socrates, and I'm pretty damn sure it's not from him. But the fucking uh, uh, quote said Socrates at the bottom. He, uh, it says, if you marry a good wife, you'll be a happy person. If you marry a bad one, you'll be a philosopher. <laughs> and he was also known to have to, to have a, a difficult wife. That's what I remember from Socrates. Like he had a difficult wife, but instead of him making it uh, a reason to live a mediocre life, he said, like, if I hadn't had my wife who questioned me all the time and, and doubted me and second guessed me, I probably wouldn't have been a philosopher because it's true when you are outside your comfort zone living with a person who you are not totally comfortable with. And this person is somebody who you're supposed to be most comfortable with, i.e. your spouse. You get to think, <laughs> you, know, you get to have, you, you, get, you get a chance to think about life in general. So it could have been from him. Maybe not. It's still a very interesting thing to, to think about. So yeah, so that, that is your answer for the question do you are you afraid of dying and do you think about death or dying more okay i got another easy one for you here and this is i, I promise this is really easy it's not like the first one at all okay this might require less less of an answer okay and more of a just a uh just a an instinctual jab do you think being happy is a right okay or do you have to earn it? Do you have the right to be happy or you think you should earn it? People, mm -hmm. people out there are, well, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, I told you it's an easy one. <laughs> do you have the right to be happy or okay, well, should you uh, earn it? I would it? say you have, it is in the, Universal Declaration of, yeah, of the uh, right. It's the, it's, yeah, to it's, be happy, you know. Uh, the pursuit <laughs> of happiness. You're talking about the pursuit of <laughs> happiness, yeah. In a way, that, that that's how it's expressed, right? Yeah, but if if yeah. If, if you go by that though, oh, the, yeah, the, I mean, the pursuit sorry. of happiness is yeah. it means <laughs> like you are entitled the right to earn it. But some people out there are are arguing that being happy is a right. And it doesn't matter if you're contributing to society or it doesn't matter if you're doing this or if you're not doing that, everybody should be happy. And then on the other side of the coin, people are arguing that mm, it's not given to everybody. It's, it's, it's something that you have to earn. It's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, a it's a pursuit. But to other people, it's like, no, uh, this is owed I to me. I believe that, yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think it's a, uh, it's a uh, you know, well, I think it's two really different things. I would say you have the, in an ideal world, you know, in a perfect world, you have the right to be happy. You you have the right to be the happiest you can be, and uh, but uh, in this world that we have, you know, with with scarcity, limited limited resources. Uh, with human nature being one of the the main uh, variables as to why there is suffering in the in, you know in this world right then you have to earn it for yourself right and it's and it's uh 
you have to pursue it. So, so you are sorry. So you are you're erring to the side of you as a person who is looking to be happy must earn it. Yes, and in this real world, right? But、um, you know, when I go、uh, walk by the streets, right? When I when I see、uh, someone like a beggar, you know, I some of people in poverty, I I. A、deep within me, you know, I would give everything I have to to you know and divide it to all of them if I could to help them, you know,、um, with this the the their situation. If and if if I if I was super rich, right, I would just give all my money away. And that's what my heart is saying, you know, and that's what I believe is right to be able to help your neighbor. And、uh, as yourself, and to love them as much as you love yourself. But、uh, well, in this world that we have, it's it's and you know, and with our limited resources, it's、uh, we we find ways to justify immoral things like being selfish, right? We we allow we find as we develop the system where we permitted ourselves to to watch someone go hungry. And feel okay with ourselves. We allow ourselves the we give ourselves permission to you know to let someone with cancer、uh, you know die without any surgery or chemotherapy because they couldn't afford it. And we we let we permit ourselves not to feel bad about it in the, in the system that we developed because there in a way we have to be practical. Right, we have to be selfish if we, want, if we want to survive. But the right thing to do, right, you you know for yourself is to to really help them and to uh, to uh, do the right thing. But the right thing isn't always the best thing for for you and the best and not, and you know if, if you think about let's say like let's talk about you know something political here like communism. Now, communists had, you know, Karl Marx. He had this perfect idea of a utopian world, and he he saw the the bourgeoisie, the these rich people, the aristocracy, as the the main evil in this world, right? That you know, if on if and only if Karl Marx thought for himself, if and only if there was no private poverty, if and only if the resources that these rich people have. Were distributed equally among among the poor and among the middle class. You know, if he 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 thought of this perfect utopian society, and and a lot of people shared this vision with him when when he wrote, let's say, the Communist Manifesto, and and when they thought about it, they they saw it as an, a perfect good, right? Like imagine a society. Now, when everyone just shared everything in terms of of of、uh, resources, right? Like free、mm. internet, free food, free everything. But you, you, of course, you can. You have. You still have to work, right? You still have to work hard and everything. It's part of that. But, but then, it it's in terms of its practicality, right? And in terms of how we hu- humans work, our psychology, our evolution. It's just、uh, it just doesn't fit, you know. It's not the right answer, and the best answer so far, you know, is really the the system that we have, you know,、uh, 
it's in it's bounded in individuality right and you have to be and we are a society you know our civilization is reliant on selfishness and the individuality and selfishness they mean the same thing really like uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's yeah you're self. just you're arguing semantics that's true i i, I do feel yeah. the same about when people try to be individuals it's a it's an ape thing you know it's an ape thing you mm-hmm. only look, you're you're out there to look out for yourself because you have to survive under some very strict and basic mm-hmm. rules which is like call it natural selection for example you know being selfish is mm-hmm. not a some people some people make it out into this this negative thing maybe purely due to semantics and what the word actually means but i'm what i what where i am is like selfishness is actually a feature it's not a glitch mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know it's a, it, and it, you know it it branches out obviously because people uh, humans for example hum, humans in particular one true one watermark of being a human is being able to fit in society because there were if you if you go at the, in the ape theory there were strength there's strength in numbers for sure and when you, you were fending for yourself and there were fucking mammoths and saber tooths out there to get you it would definitely help if you were in a group you know but but, exactly. but yeah but yeah. To, and um i think that there's a good there should be there people in a group of people there should be people who are selfish and people who obviously are not who are more altruistic and people who look out for the group more and i think uh, a group of people that turns into a society that they, that then evolves into a civilization needs a perfect balance between these two because like you said if if everybody's selfish then it's a purely capitalistic world out there and it's dog eat dog everybody's just out there for themselves but then again if everybody's just thinking about the collective all the time well that's where communism and you know the the the, the left leaning ideal i i ideologic uh dogma comes Ideology. in yeah that's where it comes in so a, a a good mix between selfish people who are out there for themselves but you know you know capitalism let's say capitalism for example you may think that these were very selfish people because they were out there to make themselves rich and that may be the case but people fail to recognize the fact that in the process of making themselves rich they actually moved the ball forward for people you know and money at the end of the day is a consequence of of commerce you will get rich you will have money if you move these products around and charge a fee for it but in the process of doing so you're actually making people's lives better and uh mm-hmm. yeah i, I kind of lost my thread there why did i go there uh okay. i think you were i think you were I, i was commenting on on what 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 you said earlier about yeah, yeah. so and mm. and uh, my 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 point was about the uh, communism right it's it's uh, it, it, if in you know an ideal world right it's the perfect utopian way we could live right but um doesn't goes work, ag- but it goes right? ag- because it goes against human nature Exactly. That's why it's that's why it's broken. It's a broken I, I mean on paper 
yes, it looks good, but it just it's flawed. It's fundamentally flawed. The 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 concept of communism. That's why every communist, uh, every communistic state, thus far, has failed. There is not one that is successful to date. Not one. Ru- Russia. You, you can argue that China. Okay, China is still a very, still holds some very strong communistic themes in its government. That's true, but. On the other hand, they also have a very strong capitalistic theme. If you're if you're not sold to that, pick up any item in your house and look at the bottom, see where it's made. And that screams capitalism, you know. But but look at China during the the Cultural Revolution. It's so funny how they were able to come up with such a benign name. Cultural revolution. It doesn't sound so bad, <laughs> but like 50 million people died. But they came up with this, this this name. But during those times, China was a dump. There was like famine, and people eating their children and some horrible other dog shit. During those times, and it still to date has not worked. The only purely communistic uh, government society slash nation that, that's out there still is North Korea and I'm not booking any tickets to tour North Korea anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, you know, as you said, you mentioned earlier ago, like um, there, you have to hit a balance, right? In a society where there's altruistic people and there's uh, in the very individualistic people. Uh, It really depends, you know. Um, I I guess um, we would uh, want more altruistic people. I, I you know if, if if it's the case, right? If it's just altruism, everybody help each other. I mean, that would be an awesome society, right? Even mm. in, in but it's still a capitalist system, of course. Right? <laughs> but uh, but you know, like uh, when I look at someone, let's say like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, you know, I. And the you know, their the amount of wealth that they have, you know, if they if if you know if, let's say that they have like 16 billion dollars each of them, if they gave the world like every person in the world like three dollars, they can they can still have a, like an excess of money, right? <laughs> And so if you think about it, mm. like is is it ethical is it actually moral for them to have so many resources that they could do for good but instead what they do is they they hoard it for themselves you know it it's something that that we uh that i find i myself you know it, it there let's say um if they have the power to do something good right but they didn't do it i would call that you know something like uh sin of omission right you mm. ignored to do something more yeah when you could have right? yeah exactly and so but it, then it come it comes to so but um as a, uh, a global population you know or even just on a national scale like how do we judge people's characters how we do we me- measure them with them in the in the moral scale well we can't It really you know and if it, we can't for example in 
with what's happening with uh, China. You know, they what they were doing with the Uyghurs is is an is immoral. It's unethical. You know what? The, like um, it's a concentration camp where they they uh culturally cleanse people and from away from their native beliefs and cultures and change them into and indoctrinate them with communism. Oh, you know, I, like, I I read some. But what? Uh huh. Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But my point is, yeah, right. Like, uh, why do why does the UN just watch China? Like, why do why isn't anybody doing anything about it? It's it's because that uh, it's really we don't have power over China, you know. We yeah, and I believe, think. Yeah. I also mm-hmm. think. Sorry, I also think because I I mean my heart goes out to the Uyghurs. I, I've, I've read and I've seen some documentaries about what goes on there. You know, the, the, sick, the, the, the sickest thing that I've read and watched was when they snatched these children from their parents and they put them in these re-education camps. And never, they'll never call it concentration camps, but, you know, more power to you for mm-hmm. actually giving it voice. Yes, they are essentially concentration camps. And they re-educate them, i.e., you know, brainwash them into being children of the state and the, 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 because you know I'm a parent I'm a parent and I just can't imagine if a group of random people pulled up in our house in a van and took away my daughter okay and they, they'll they'll tell her they'll, they'll tell us something like we're going to subsidize her education this and that but what they're going to do basically is just like what you said they're just going to cleanse her of her culture make her forget who she is who her parents are um, and just turn them into what they want them to be, which is just, mm. you know, children of the state. And that, that, that's sad. That's sad. But mm. to your point where, why does the UN not do anything about these horrible stories? And the, the Uyghurs are only just one story of many. Okay. That the UN chooses to turn a blind eye to. I don't really know why the UN you know, being, being what it is, is it, it's, you know, it's supposed to be this all seeing uh, body that's supposed to keep the peace and to make sure that humanity evolves and does not devolve, you know, and there's a, they make a group of these member nations and they, they, they basically make these rules, making sure and ensuring that humanity as a whole survives for some reason, they're just turning a blind eye to all these stories. Um, did, did you know about this whole story about this whole business when the UN uh, Secretary General mm-hmm. and he had this? This was just this was like uh, during the first year of COVID. And when they were talking about when this one reporter was trying to ask the Secretary General, like. What are your thoughts about Taiwan's way of handling the virus? And then he goes ahead and answers like, well, you know, we think, um, we think China is doing a good job at stemming the virus. And then the, 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 I think that there was like an exchange. And what, the point of that exchange was basically like the UN can't, the UN for what it's supposed to be, okay, can't even recognize Taiwan this this episode is gonna get so fucking demonetized, dude. <laughs> I'm not gonna make any money out of this episode of the future. 
but we're just we're still gonna get into it though. The UN cannot even recognize Taiwan as a sovereign state because China is so deep into the pockets of the UN that if they say something wrong, even as a for even in the in the form of speech, they're they're just gonna start pulling funding left and right from all the projects that the UN is starting, and that means jobs, and that means. Positions for all the higher up executives, that's their jobs gone. It's just insane to think about a mm-hmm. body like the UN not being able to stand up to a member nation. The China, I'd like to think China does not own the UN. That I'd like to think that. I'm not sure if that's still the case though. You know, there's. I'll I'll I'll, I'll try to find that clip after this podcast. You can yeah. check it out. As a reporter asking, like, what are you? What are your thoughts about Taiwan's handling of the coronavirus? Because Taiwan did a very good job killing the virus early on and flattening the curve. And he went on like saying, "Well, I think China has been doing good." And I'm like, "No, we're, I, I said Taiwan. What do you think about Taiwan's handling of this situation? They seem to have a, a good grasp of where the virus is going, and they do know how to control it. What are your thoughts on it?" And, and he keeps like he just. He doesn't even want to mention the word Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So Maybe he was referring to Taiwan as China because China is Taiwan is the Republic of China, right? That's that's the real name. <laughs> well, a lot of people might disagree with you on that, but you know. Um, anyways, so why did we even go there? So. Oh well, yeah, but uh, so in, in in terms of that, right? That you mentioned your point was that. Uh, Oh, the the UN is uh, so is has no backbone or powerless against something like China. Yeah, yeah, because the 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 my point was that um uh, we live in a post modern world now, and that means that uh, everyone and every country their view is that everything is a power struggle, really, you know, and whoever rises on top, they are the ones that dictate what is right or wrong. And you know it's really uh, might is right, and that's mm. what's happening. It is, you know it. What exactly? It is. And yeah. For example, like with China, um, with China being a, the governing body, you know, in their holding ideal their ideals uh, in their in their state, right? What the government says, what the powerful government says, is right or wrong, then. That's what the the whole population follows, and it, it it works the same way for everyone, and that's why it's when it comes to uh, this postmodern world of ours, it's not really about convincing the other person who that you're right or that uh, uh, persuading them that they're wrong. It's really overpowering them. That's mm-hmm. that's what's happening today. I know? think I think we've I think. As a whole, humanity as a whole, in the scale of it all, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, technology has changed, okay, but the rules stayed the same. Like you said, like we the the ape, the you know, it's still the ape instinct, ape brain mm-hmm. way of things. It's who has the bigger stick. He gets to be the leader. Exactly. Still. And I don't ever, I don't know if we're ever going to get past that because at the end of the day, just, you know, purely because of my training, 
I think it's a it's a physiologic thing. If the brain, because the brain that you and I have right now is the same brain that was during the the industrial revolution and even before that. So our brain has not evolved that much because the time that we've been around, you know, as compared to how long the earth has been around is nothing. I mean, humans have only been around for 400,000 years. The earth is 13.7 billion years. Again, people hear the number, but they don't know what 13.7 billion years look like. Even just a thousand years is so much to, there's so much to unpack in a thousand years, but thinking about if the world is, if the, is the earth is 13.7 billion and we've only been around for 400,000, that's not a long time. So the brain that we have right now is the same monkey brain that our ancestors had. And it's, you know, it, it's getting smarter or what its creations are getting smarter for sure. Like technology and AI is getting better and better, but it's the same monkey brain. I think, I think we're digging our own graves sometimes, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, we're, we're making these things and we're not really fully aware of what they are and the dangers mm -hmm. inherent to them. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. In, in this case, though, uh, when, um, uh, yeah, we're, we're the same physiologically, I guess, you know, biologically, maybe, you know, we haven't uh, evolved uh, like into like, uh, telepathic or <laughs> powers like mutants, yeah, I guess. But um, I, I, I see, it seems to me that there's actually a, a, a different kind of evolution going on in, in this century, in the 21st century, that is more of a, uh, in terms of ideas that evolve, like ideological evolution. Now, when you when you look at the new generation, right, in Gen Z, you know, I, I see a really good future with uh, with this generation because they're they think differently than than millennials or or boomers, right? Uh, for example, you really can't find a racist gen z nowadays because you know you know why these kids you know they go online they go on discord they play with different people from all over the world different kids from from different countries different cultures and they treat everybody the same and i've seen this go on and uh, and when it comes to uh, fighting for what is right you know, it, they they use may, they may use cancel culture or whatever or, or stuff like that, but they have a moral compass, and it's usually a sort of mob-like moral compass. But you know, when they do mature someday, I I can see a huge uh, uh, some something good eventually coming from this it's not and i'm not and i'm not like a woke person i don't believe in that stuff but when it comes to the next generation i really believe that they're really gonna do good you know when it comes to climate change comes to uh political organization and and and, uh, and um, charities and, uh, and other uh, global goals you know and and they, when it comes to having a positive view on things right uh you just uh i guess we we have to keep hoping that 
humanity will do better. My and friend really Elmo here. We will. My friend Elmo here. Everybody's an idealist. I- idealist, and I love it. I love it so much. What do you think, though, are the proportions between? You know what? That you are the first person who actually sort of moved the needle for me about this whole Gen Z generation. Yeah. Because all I'm seeing online is just like, you know, this this generation is gonna. It's they're so soft. Okay, but you're you're gonna have to let me finish this this statement first before you react. All right, all right. I'm no thinking problem. like, you know, just like Jesus, fuck these these kids are just like they're so soft. Like when when I was, I'm I I'm a I'm I'm yeah I'm a millennial, technically I am. Okay, I'm a child in the '90s, and during those times, like you know, there's still the echoes of the '80s, and obviously still some remnants of the '70s when people actually solve problems and you know put their heads down and just like went to work you know and never felt entitled and you know there was this 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 whole entitlement thing is a new thing i can tell you personally it's it's a new thing because when i was growing up and a lot of people would agree with me nothing was given to you nothing was ever given to you like everything you have want to have or had you had to get you had to get on your own it's 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 all self-service but you're the first person who actually gave me the hope that yeah, we need we what what the world needs now is some forward-thinking people who are willing to put aside differences because God knows, okay, in, in whatever sense God is, okay, but in in God knows how good that would be mm-hmm. for the world if everybody just set aside their differences and had a common goal or like just had a common aim. And uh, mm-hmm. but my question to you though is, what do you think are the proportions between you know we're talking about Gen Z? What is the proportion between the woke Gen Z, which is the the kids who are whining every day about normalizing having sex with your best friend and um, normalizing, you know, just it's not it's, guys, it's not funny when somebody trips. Okay, stop laughing at it. People trip. It's called gravity. I'm like, it's fucking funny. Okay, just Jesus, let it go. What is the proportion between those people and the people who are actually forward thinking, who are willing to let go of those hurtful, painful habits that the past generations have, i.e., racism, i.e., sexism, uh, and whatever isms. After that, what do you think are the proportions? Because I'm thinking if the world is to be a better place, there should be more of the the former, more of the group where they're willing to let these old past ideologies go and move forward versus these kids mm-hmm. who are just trying to just create chaos all the time and just make a reason mm-hmm. to and just find reasons to just like whine you know, and hate people and bash people and get famous. What do you think are the proportions? Mm-hmm. Like, you are, you're obviously more out there than I am. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know this, uh, Josh, you're a very, uh, very numbers guy, kind of guy. You know, like, uh, you always uh, ask the statistics and, uh, and all of that. And I, I really like that. And uh, yeah, when it comes to the proportion of these, uh, the, uh, the toxic uh, Gen Z and the the ones that you know are actually uh, progressive and actually doing going to do good because of their uh, making change. I'd say there's uh, the ones that 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 we that shout 
you know, that whine, the, the noisiest ones, they're really the, the, a small number of them because they, they're the, the noisy ones are the ones you can hear, right, on social media. They're the ones that you can see. But the, the, the greater proportion of those normal uh, 20s or, 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 or teenagers or even, uh, yeah, the, the, the huge proportion of them are just uh, do, be, do, staying quiet, you know, doing, doing what they love, studying, uh, working, working on their passions and, and that and living in and uh, they're they're living online now nowadays. That's the interesting thing about the Generation Z, right? Is that, um, for example, on Discord, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Reddit, you know, these kids they they it's normal for them to engage with different cultures nowadays and and and, and actually uh, team up you know and collectively uh, act on things to you know, for causes right and uh, and it's it's also because of how millennials raise them as well which is a really good thing you know some some good parenting points there yeah but uh, when it comes to to uh, the proportion, I'd say the, these toxic woke they're they're the noisiest because they're they're small. There's a small population of them, and when it comes to being snowflakes, right? Uh, it, it there there's there comes a point, you know, when it comes to sensitivity. Um, for example, but back then. When you say, "Oh," uh, when you make a joke, you know, I'm not, I'm not personally saying this, but let's say there's a joke of, "Oh, uh, you being, you are gay." That is that that means it's it's used a derogatory word, right? Oh, being gay means that oh, you're you're a useless person. That's this, this, that. It's immoral, right? And but it's it's funny, right? But uh, when it comes to the Gen Z, you know, when they're very their sensitivity uh, detects that hey, there's something root, deeply wrong in the root of this, and should I allow it? Should I not? And they'll react, and that's that's the important, that's the real uh, value here. You know, when it comes to making a better world, they they you have to detect the root causes of things, and you know, it's fun, it's a joke. It's funny, yeah, but um, most jokes are half meant, and the end that's mm, you know, and that's mm. true, really, yeah. <laughs> that's and true. For example, so, like yeah, in, you know, that, yeah. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for the the, the, like, the word, you know, let's say uh, that uh, N I G G E R that word, right? Uh, I'm not. I, I hear that people say that a lot, but is it right for me to say it? If I do say it, will it will it be offend someone? Uh, will it kill me to not say it? Uh, well, it's outlaid by the rules. As long because you know when you're in a society and someone tells you, "Hey, uh, when you say that word, it's it feels something. It gives me pain. You know, it's it's something. It feels wrong when you say it." And uh, as is, if, I, if I'm a normal person, I would respect that. You know, I would be concerned about the of other people, and that's fine, right? And I, I will give them the respect. You know, I, but I'll say that word in my in my privacy, 
but not in in a, in, in a social arena. You know? I mean, th- those so, ty- th- th- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so that's that's the real thing about the the snowflake thing. But there's a positive side to it, but there's a bad side to it as well. Of course, that leads to the topic waste that that woke culture yeah it's just it's terrible this whole woke bullshit culture yeah you're right though that this small majority of people this the small population of the toxic woke culture people the problem about them is yes they're they're few but they're noisy they make the most noise and they obviously attract the most attention and at the end of the day it's a numbers game like i'm a numbers guy it's a numbers game you hit a certain number of people and there's a critical mass of people to hit at some point you're going to get like you're going to extract a certain percentage of that and you can turn those people who weren't toxic and woke in the first place but just the bombardment of social media and stuff that's out there in the internet that's readily available that nobody seems to be i mean i mean it's funny dude because the toxic woke shit is actually being promoted and that's disturbing it's being promoted by the you know by, by a lot of platforms because it's ridiculous and it's funny and people like ridiculous and funny now because people are just trying to make sense of their lives after after this first this virus came apart came came to be and you know even before the virus the world is was like turning into this weird thing because you know we're, we're only 10 years into this whole hypnosis that is social media and smartphones and fast internet it's only been a decade before that it didn't exist like it existed but not to this level but for the past decade the past 10 years the this the whole internet this whole internet thing has evolved to something that nobody expected it to be not even the not, not even the tech companies the big the big ones okay they didn't even they didn't even know what they were creating they had no clue as to what it was going to be they had an idea and it was by all in all respects good they meant well but what 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 it what happened you know when you throw in the whole social dynamic of how people would react if you gave them a platform to talk and everybody seems to want to talk now and not listen. They didn't expect that. And then you throw in money in the mix. It just got fucking more complicated because now people are products. Now people are products. Now, like if the service is free, you must be the product from that, Mm. from that Netflix show, the social dilemma, which I highly recommend everybody watch i hope it's still on netflix the social dilemma you should you should look it up if you haven't seen it yet but everybody dude if if you're planning to have kids in the future have them watch that as soon as they're able to watch, look at a screen mm. you know and understand what they what, what what it means because everybody should see that film it's the, it's called mm. the social dilemma so yeah, well, we're gonna take a break from from this heavy. <laughs> the, I told you it was easy. These questions were like, yeah. we're gonna take a break from that. Before that, though, something light, and then we're gonna move on to the segment where we talk about your work, and then okay, you know, uh, what whatever goes after that. So last question, last question, okay. After I post a question, 
give it some thought. Okay, I'm just going to crack open another right. beer. Okay, and no then problem. I'm going to I'm going to get back and then you could give me your two cents. Okay. So, the last question, really easy. Swear it's not like the the last two. I'm not lying this time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the question is what is love? What is love? Okay. I'm going to crack open a beer, dude. You 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 stay where you right, are no and really compose yourself and think about what you're going to say. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the question was actually my the question before that. I was supposed to ask you like, what is the one thing that everybody needs? But we're gonna save that for another episode. Okay. Hopefully, there's gonna be more episodes with Elmo here in the podcast, guys. You, you obviously got you. You see, Elmo has a lot to share. So. If you like what he's putting out there, do check out Elmo's World, and he has like 159 episodes worth of this type of content. If you like this sort of stuff, really do check out Elmo's World. It's on Spotify and some other dog shit platforms that no one actually pays attention to. It's really just it's really just Spotify. And uh, are you on Apple Podcasts too? Yeah, yeah. And so, okay. And that and Spotify. So do check out Elmo's world. So yeah, going back to the question, what is love? Okay. I'd say love is the, this, um, cultural thing that we have evolved to have, you know, to believe exists and we believe it to be this metaphysical, uh, connection that binds, you know, at the minimum, two people, or even you know, uh, you're just with it yourself, and and I'd say uh, love, love is a different thing to a lot of to you know, to a lot of people. But to me, I know if it, you know if you're asking me, I I think love is is uh, is a fairy tale that we that we. You know, <laughs> ascribe to we subscribe to yeah yeah but and we when we choose to uh, to have this to believe in this fairy tale and it's okay you know so if it's going it's if it's practical for you to 
mm. to believe in, in in this greater thing that exists, then then go for it. You know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna, I'm gonna lie to you though that um we don't really know what that is. You know what you're what you're loving for or loving about. But if you find it meaningful to love that, to be able to love and share, then that's good, right? And and uh, so I'd say, you know, I love my family too. You know, I have at at, at, um, at a good positive scale uh, or me- measure. I do love myself as well, not too much. <laughs> I love my country. I love the, I love every person in the world at uh, at the at the level where. You know, I would want the best for them, even though I can't do anything for them right now. So, and and that's so, and that's the the kind of and that that's the normal love that everybody has. You know, it's not it's it's mediocre, but um, when it comes to love, though, is the real question to that of of to and how we can understand what it is, is is a. Uh, is in, in in relation to meaning as i mentioned earlier you know if you find something meaningful then you're gonna love it you know and, and if you love something you you find it meaningful to spend time with them or spend time doing it to invest in it to sacrifice time effort whatever for it and 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 um eventually why do we uh when yeah sure you you can love something, but why? Why do we love? Right, that's another question, and it's something much deeper than just biological evolution. I'd say, you know, because when it comes to uh, our evolution, sure, we're we're still ape brains, right? We're we're not like uh, magical. It might not evolve to be like a super genius uh, or like. Uh, telepathic ai or stuff we don't we're not we're not at that level yet but it, it at some in some way you know it, our consciousness is actually something amazing you know it's uh it's able to grasp and create and be able to create things that wasn't there before right and 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 you know our biology does allow us to have such a complex consciousness and consciousness is something we have no idea really about and it's 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 the and what consciousness is is it is this uh it's a it's a metaphysical physical concept where it's the collection of all your emotions, thoughts, you know, all the all the brain activity that happens within that that uh, flesh between your skulls, that's what they call consciousness. Is. But we don't really know actually what it is and uh, and how the the universe allowed it to exist. You know, it, it like uh, if you think of the numbers, right? What's the possibility of a universe being able to set the right blueprints for and ingredients and physical laws for something like uh, as complex as a consciousness to be able to to uh, exist, you know, at at this awesome and complex level and work and create order out of chaos, you know, create something, create beauty, love, you know, all these meaningful things about and 
and that's why you know there's a lot there, there's an argument to design there uh, but uh, i myself have no idea right and uh there i have my opinions you know maybe they're like a simulation or maybe god or maybe uh aliens or maybe we're just in a dream you know there are so many uh <laughs> thoughts to it and ideas but uh what we can uh derive from this is that that um in terms of the the dunning-kruger effect if you're if you're not familiar it's that uh there are things that we we uh, we we believe we're so smart that and that we know the answer, but we and so that actually causes us to be ignorant. You know that the Dunning Kruger effect. And I, I would sorry love, sorry say, I, say that again. What what effect is that again? The Dunning Kruger effect. Can you can you right? elaborate? Can you elaborate on yeah. that? Can you? That's a new one okay. for me. Yeah. So the Dunning Kruger effect is this like. Um, um, you 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 uh picture yourself or you believe that you are so smart right you are smart and that you know the right answers uh, but okay it's, but it's at, like a confirmational so, bias it's like when people think yeah. that they're actually smarter than what they actually are yeah. fucking idiots yeah exactly <laughs> they actually think exactly that done right? you're under fact. the illusion that you have the right answer yeah. but that exactly is the reason why you're the ignorant one you know but you can't go beyond your own uh image of yourself as being someone who's right and and so when it comes to that you know in comes to consciousness we need to escape the the dunning and kruger effect and actually i think of the possible reason as to why we have meaning in life we, why there is something we can call love you know why we fight for the the good why it, why do things matter anyways you know if we are just accidents in this determined mystic world where where you know suffering is 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 meaningless and is, is exists but it's meaningless you know everything that we if if that is the case right and you you really believe that we're just evolved apes you know uh well you need to escape the dunning kruger effect because there are so many other arguments that show otherwise right you need to look at all the facts not just what you see what seems right to you as it appears and because there is there are really things that we don't know yet about the universe and how everything works and you know in my podcast i we i all that i i ask my guests you know the hardest question really like uh, and they push it to to a level where or they are gonna say uh, well uh, I, I don't know we have to take it to faith or eventually we will but for us for now we don't know and then that's that's a good thing too right recognizing that there are things that are uh, for now are beyond our our conclusions and then the mathematical uh equations are and and so when it comes to the answer of what is love, uh, I, I don't know what at love is, actually. Uh, we can't uh, put it in a laboratory and test what it is. But it exists, right? And it binds all of us. And it seems to be something that everyone, or most of the world, is fighting for. And so we have, and we have to live in a, in a framework uh, in an ideological framework where love does exist and and we act on it and we should you know and and we we could and we will so 
and eventually right uh, um, love is actually the what the big one of the big measures as to uh, the direction our human civilization is heading it wants to head towards right mm, mm. Uh, what, you know picture the best utopian society that you would want the earth to be in in a hundred years you would uh, say i would want the most loving world in that would exist with with a system like an economic system that is most loving with a people, a government that is most loving, because you know there's you you can't go wrong with being loving, really, unless that there are other evil factors at play. But uh, if it's in the so, but why why do we as a human civilization like love? You know, <laughs> why do we like these pleasurable things, these good things? You know, why do we hate pain? Is it just based on our biology, right? Uh, well, be it, it, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe it's, there's, a, there's a real measure, objective measure as to what is good or bad in this world. And someone said it that way. Or mm-hmm. maybe, you know, it's, it's a big questions, right? And you have to accept that. Right? For now, we don't know, but the, you know, you might have an answer that you believe is right. That's okay. But uh, don't say that you know 100%. Mm, no, that's, def- that's- <laughs> yeah, definitely don't say that. Definitely don't say that. Okay, unless you are. And if you are, then definitely be on my podcast and be the next guest. And let's see what you have to say about if you really know <laughs> exactly. what, the fuck, what the fuck love is. Exactly. But well, exactly. I, can, I can tell you this much, though. Okay, as a, as a human being who's been around for 30 years in this world, mm. that's been around for 13.7 billion years. I would have to err towards the the side of love being a purely biologic thing. It's a conduit. Mm. It's basically a conduit. Okay, it's a conduit where, in the sense that it's a it's a it's a catalyst for this thing we call sex to happen, and the consequence of this thing called sex is procreation, and you know, in short, babies, and that's how that's how the the species survives basically you know, have you heard of i'm going to blow your mind real quick before we take a break and start talking about your work okay there was this subject uh there was this um a research done it's called the methuselah uh project for the life of me i can't even find any 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 content of it online anymore but i remember watching this documentary some I'd like to say about nine years ago, this Methuselah project. So what they did was they followed the lives of this Jewish family because for some reason, this, this Jewish family, all of them, okay, from the first to the second generation, because that, that was a, that's as far as you can actually take a research is two generations because if a life span of a person is 60 to 70 years and you take two of those, and you take the median, it's 100. So the you can make a research study, and the longest you can make it for is 100 years. And that's a lot of fucking data to unpack. So they follow the lives of this family, this Jewish family, okay? Because for some reason, everybody in this family lived to be 100. Not one lived lower than 100. Everybody was a centenarian. So they were all old. So the research, uh, I mean, sorry, the researchers wanted to know what 
is it about this family that made them live this long? And they found out this, okay? They all found out one factor out of a million data points that they had to look into. All of them, all of them who reached to be 100 had children later in life. They didn't have children when they were 20, not when they were 25, not even when they were 30. The median age where this family had babies was their late 30s. We're talking like 35, 38. That's when they had their kids, okay? And then for some reason, they lived to be that long. The conclusion of the study was once you have children, the timer starts. That's when you start actually dying. That's when you start to feel, that's when your body mm. basically discovers what like, about okay, for the men though? What it's, about for the men? it's the same. Everybody, everybody who's lived to be 100, the men did not procreate until they were that old. The women as well did not have children until oh, they were like okay. in that age. All right. So it's not, it's, it's not really the birthing or the conception, but it's more of raising a children. Child, no, it, right? no, it, you know, it's the conception is when they actually had babies. So all of them okay, had right. babies later in life. They didn't have them when they were 18 mm -hmm. or 19, 20, 25, 30, 35. The median was like 40, uh, 38 to 43. That's so, when they, so they had for the babies. men, so yeah. for the men, the moment that they had sex with their wives and the, their wives and their sperm reached the you know the eggs so that's when the timer starts that's like, when maybe yes. what if they are just masturbating like that's no 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 it's when they had babies it's when they were able to procreate and create children for their own for some okay. reason the body for some reason for some weird reason the body knew that okay he has a baby now. We can relax. Oh, it's crazy, bro. So, what, what, what? The conclusion of that study was: there's this thing, there, there's this biologic thing, okay, where your body does its best to keep you alive long enough for you to procreate, to advance the species. And once you're done doing that, your body just like it's a cruise. You're on cruise mode now, and you're just like riding a slow death okay you're just like you so for i i i have to go back if i can still even find it and go go back to their statistics as to when they started having babies and you know they lived average lives i mean they took care of themselves on an average lifestyle they didn't really do any crazy exercise or took care of their diet nothing crazy like that they ate what they ate and they still did what they did basically but they still live that long because if you're looking at the if you're you're what the study says like uh an average human okay would stay with their mothers next to dolphins okay humans are the only species that the young stays very mm. there's a protracted time where the young stays with the mother and on average it's 18 mm. to 25 years for some people it's more you know, I, I have friends and, who still live with their I, parents. And it, and it could actually work as a placebo effect, right? Like, uh, for example, you just had a one-night stand with a woman and uh, she told you that uh, she's pregnant because of you. Oh, no, no, though. No, 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 no. It doesn't, though. It doesn't because you're, it's, it's the, the, just 
you know, exclusively basing it on the study. Okay. It's fun to break it down that way. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to go down the rabbit hole with you breaking it down that way, but basing it on the study, the, the body literally knows when it's procreated and not just ejaculated in some random navel, some random belly button or something, you know, when, when, when the sperm and the eggs actually meets and there's an actual event that occurs that is fertilization and then uh, parody mm -hmm. and then childbirth, that's when like, for, uh, for some reason they start. Yeah. It, it, for like some weird how? reason, oh. I don't know. I don't know, but that's, that, that's the weird bit because for some reason the body knows and then it just starts to like let go the process of accelerated uh senescence senescence is a word for old age okay growing old mm -hmm. that's the the word for growing old is senescence the accelerated what if what if um, yeah. What yeah, if, go ahead yeah what if you get a vasectomy right oh no you have no the body said oh no i have no real chance of I don't know. You could probably uh, live to be a. You could be. You could probably. Now. Yeah, you could trick. You could probably trick your body to live forever because your body's like waiting for you to pass it on <laughs> or something weird like. Or maybe the body knows that you get get a vasectomy, and that means that oh, it, okay, oh bro, oh, you it, have it, no it chance of operating. You're it, dead it, now. It definitely <laughs> knows. It definitely knows when you have a vasectomy. It definitely knows it. Yeah. It does. It does. So the timer starts then when you get a vasectomy. When you have a, yeah, language. or when you have a baby, the timer starts, and like your body keeps you alive for mm -hmm. another good, on on a median scale for another good twenty to twenty five years, mm -hmm. and then depending on how you treat your body, maybe you could live longer. And there's some other studies mm -hmm. out there who actually look into the number of children you have because. The, the obvious question is like, what if I have more than two children? That does that mean my my lifespan my my lifespan mm. doubles? It's a it's a case study though, right? And the the, the it, sample. No, it, it's not. It, no, it, the the design is a case study, but the design is a longitudinal one, meaning it's like followed on multiple at multiple time points for a protracted or, period of time. But yeah, it's case or study the, because they did, just follow they, one life. Yeah. Just they just follow this one lineage of Jewish. Uh, well, they could actually go members. longer, right? They could go like check the statistics or the, the past history of the or the ancestors of that family, and then they don't measure like when were you conceived. It's just, I I think I think I think looking back, looking back, I think it would it would have it would have been. Um, so, uh, just, it would have been hard for the researchers to look back, but they could have looked forward, like looking at now they could follow the, the children and the grandchildren of those individuals who had those children. But there was a caveat because the original researcher who started this research died, obviously, because he fucking he lived. He tried to outlive his research subjects. And yeah, he died, too. So there was a, there was nobody anymore to continue the study, but yeah, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a research, and th those are one of those things that's like, ooh, if you're talking about like real research, yeah, not not many researchers do that. I mean, uh, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that that's that's pretty crazy. That's, that that was a pretty crazy one, yeah. So yes, yeah, the, the my so the the, the point of it was like, for me, I think love is just a, a purely biologic thing as a conduit for sex to happen. You know, I'm, I'm a married, I'm a married guy. I, I recently was made, uh, was made a new father. And um, 
I mean, on a, on the on a lighter note, for all men out there, okay, I would say from whatever philosophy or principle you have in life, and this is with no bias at all, just because I have a kid, do not, do not deprive yourself of the joy and privilege of fatherhood. It's one of the best things you'll do. That's I, I'm, I'm from where I am at this point in life. I can tell you that much. Don't deprive yourself of that. It's one of the best things you'll do. I mean, you could have done this, this and that, but having a kid, having a kid, just like having a baby. Okay. And knowing that fact that that baby, half of that baby chromosomally have those chromosomes, half of those chromosomes are yours and nobody can take that away from you. Take pride in it, whatever, but do not deprive yourself of the privilege of being a father. Mm-hmm. I'm just, mm-hmm. just, just, just to put it out there. It's, 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 it's nice to yeah. be a dad. And, and nobody wants to live here. up to to become a hundred. Like after sixty, you're you're just gonna be. I don't want to live after sixty or anything. <laughs> I know it <laughs> depends. It probably it depends <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't like reached that. Like you talked about Maslow, that self actualization. If you haven't reached that yet, you might want to stick around, you know, until you, you get to that point. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So we've covered a few topics <laughs> as an understatement so far. So uh, we'll talk a bit about Elmo's world. Okay. So you're 159 episodes deep and your Elmo's world podcast, basically uh, you're, you're in the niche of, of religion and politics and yeah just just the good uh, stuff philosophy. basically and yeah. philosophy just basically the good stuff stuff you should know basically mm. how did you how did you go about accumulating all that all those episodes like 159 <laughs> was it like did, did, when you were starting podcasting did you start this as a pa- passion as a passion project or did you have uh were were, were you bent on making it a business at some point or was it just a, oh, like a hobby yeah um well it's uh, it was actually just something i i, I told myself you know um uh, it's really complicated uh on how on the reason but i, I want to tell you that one of the first reasons was i saw joe rogan's podcast on on youtube and I and uh, the first time I, I watched it, it was you had an interview with this guy Jordan Peterson. I was, I was like, awestruck, but but by the this thing that's called podcasting it was the first time I I actually watched a podcast because and <laughs> I know but it, it and it seems unlikely but yes Joe Rogan was my first and I saw him talking to to a lot of and really interesting people and i find and i and i ask myself like how can this ufc uh, comedian uh, person be have the ability to be able to converse and have genuine awesome conversations with with a wide variety of people right and i asked and the i came to the conclusion that it is that uh, his skill is really being genuinely curious about other people's thoughts what they believe mm, and mm, how yeah. they saw, saw the world and th- that's something that 
it's 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 not something you can fake really right if you fake being interested in someone you're going to end up asking the wrong questions mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and to be able to do it on on the scale that he, he does you know he sometimes does every daily uh, podcast interviews uh, mostly every two days sometimes every th- three days but to be able to make really good content on a constant scale i saw it as something wow he is a content machine right and that's something that's uh, a really really good and really powerful weapon in this day and age of information consuming uh you know economy right and then i i looked at his initial uh podcast you know when his, it was still on youtube i saw that he He started like oh, what seven eleven years ago. I, 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 I and then eventually he kept going, and he kept creating content, you know. And he kept really he became really good at it. Became a really good habit. And the and the key was that I as I noticed that he was really he never stopped doing it, you know. Even when uh, at at times that there was no one watching. But he kept going, you know, and going. He he did this UFC. He did this comedy. He kept going, doing the podcast, and and I saw and those are two have value, uh, two uh, values that I it took from from him, from Joe Rogan. One was that you you can make really good content as long as you have this genuine curiosity. And just you know, talk to someone that have a have different guests every day. You know, the and uh, your and just ask them good questions equals really good content and at a at a constant scale as well. You know, repetitive and that's really hard. You know, for example, like uh, you, you you most of the time, you know, when you uh, do podcasting by yourself, right, and just you know uh, uh, do. You know, po- poetry or motivation advice or 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 research or stuff like that. You will eventually hit a what you call that a, a blackout or a burnout, right? A burnout mm-hmm. because you will run out of things. You know, your brain will will shut down and just because it's so hard to continually create content every week. But uh, with genuine curiosity. And the magic of just having different guests every two days—it's you—you are—you will be an unstoppable machine of content, really good content. And that's what I—and I asked myself, okay, uh, these two variables, how how can I make a good podcast out of this? I said because, and so I I asked myself, okay, what is the that what are topics, right? What are conversations that that I that I find interesting at, at, at a, in a lifetime scale where in my whole life I would not stop having these conversations never get tired of them even when they're repetitive and eventually you know came to the I was uh, in, into these uh, Facebook philosophy groups you know back in with their in their in lockdowns I was just debating on, uh, on on online and that's what I did the whole day the different people I said okay hmm, philosophy religion this is a, this is something I wanted to do. And I got uh, and accidentally invited to by a by a per, I'm an American met friend I met online invited me to a group chat online with with a bunch of uh, 
Americans, Canadians, Indians, uh, Muslims, uh, Europeans, you know, Australians, they're just debating all day, mm. 24-7, right? Like, because of different time zones, they, they take turns, but like, it's an unstoppable uh, video call. And I eventually, they welcomed me like I was an equal. Like, and that, that was amazing for me. I didn't, my English was so bad, but they respected me and that was good uh, conversations. And I said, wow, this is awesome. Mm, and I'm mm. asking myself, like, am I in the Philippines? Like, uh, is there someone doing something like this? I said, no, well, no, no not really. Most of the, the stuff that we, the, the Philippines were political. You know, more of this uh, surface and uh, narrow-minded politic political stuff where you you have to be this confirmation biased <laughs> stuff and if you don't pick a side then you're you're out you're, you're you're and that's what's the but i saw it as an opportunity and i said okay i want to do this and all these guys as well that i talked to they they after uh, like three months or four months and five months they also started the youtube channels and stuff and now they're really because of the conversations that they've had on those calls, they were masters of the topics, right? Mm. <laughs> and now they're they have a huge following, and then we're still really good friends with them. That's so awesome. I chose not to do the YouTube. Yeah, that's awesome. And okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I did it. You know, I did this podcast. And I, I what I did was um because I know I was no, I was nobody. At first, I interviewed my friends, some people that I knew, Filipino, but I did it in English. And then, and I eventually decided, okay, I'm going to stick with the philosophy ones. Okay, I now have a bunch of 20 guests. That I feel now I'm going to get an American one. My first American guest was amazing for me because, wow, I just interviewed someone from across the world. And then eventually uh, an Indian. And I, was in, I found it really magical you know, to be able to have the power to do this. You know, and then they eventually I had continued my relationship with all the my guests. You know, they became, became my really good friends. They cared about me and that communicated with them online and every day. And that and uh, so I, I had more and more guests and the, the more and more exposure I had online, more people I met and net, networked with, the more famous and the big and more uh more authoritative than my guests became. Mm. <laughs> and how, how, sorry, dude. Sorry to cut you off. How, how long yeah. have you actually been doing this? How long has since, it been? Uh, since August. Since August last of last year. Okay, so we're, we're, we're you're just you're just about to to turn one in a few months. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I do share that sentiment of yours because, like you, like you, I'm from Manila as well. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm just more comfortable airing my expressing my thoughts in English. I I can do the mm. the local lingua franca as well, but it's not just about the language as well, but it's also about the the subject matter. Okay, it's the subject mm. matter that I I mean I would love to have somebody talk to me from home about these things that we just talked about for the past two and a half hours already. By the way. <laughs> And uh, just 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 stick to that, you know. And um, I'm hoping it happens. It still happens, or maybe I just haven't found them yet. Mm. I'm fortunate enough to come across you when you posted that that 
that post on the, on the group that you and I are in, where you were actually you actually were already starting to demonetize your podcast and everybody who I don't know about I I mean I I I count myself out for now because I'm not actually looking to monetize this yet because I'm more focused now on just giving value to the people out there who are willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if I do get to that critical mass like you, you're 160 episodes deep into your podcast. If I do get to that level, scale hopefully, then maybe, you know, may, maybe just to add production value to the podcast and I might ask for support from other people, but at this early on, I'm not I'm not interested in that. But for the people out there who are interested in knowing how you how you get to a a podcast that has zero views, one episode, maybe two, and maybe five listens or something, zero downloads whatsoever. How do you get to that point? To the point where you're actually able to to to, to amass a following of people who are interested and genuinely would like to support you. How do you get from point A to point B? How did you get there? Well, uh, I I'd say uh, I know I'm not bragging or anything, but uh, I I seem to have like a, a really good level of charm with people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then uh, th- this is a skill that I and I, that I I try to master. But uh, and I learned actually this skill from my mom. She's a re- the most extrovert person in the world. Whenever she and I, she has so many friends, right? All every whenever she meets a stranger and she talks to the that stranger for five minutes, they become immediate best friends. And I was as an introvert, I was astounded by the skill. You know, mm-hmm. she's, a, she's a teacher, and I said, "Wow, this is powerful stuff." You know, to be able to connect with someone. And yeah, that short amount of time to be able to. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, my mom. Sorry, dude. My my mom is the same. You know, re, exactly. God rest her soul. God rest her soul. My mom mm-hmm. is the same. Uh, she's a teacher as well. She taught university mm-hmm. for twenty twenty two plus years, and mm-hmm. I remember being around town with her. Mm-hmm. She knew everybody everywhere. Like she knew somebody. <laughs> exactly. From, she'd know someone yeah. from the bank. She'd know somebody from the market <laughs> stall. She'd know somebody from the from paying the telephone bills. She had a yeah. because as, as a teacher, you affect so many lives, and all these people mm-hmm. would go to different places. And at some point, your paths will intersect. Mm-hmm. You know, we I, I can't even count the number of times where we were able to watch free movies because one of her students happened to be the manager or happened to be the guy giving out the tickets. In, and like you, I was astounded. I was amazed. So yeah, exactly. I think you and I are on the same page. Like we owe it to our mothers. <laughs> we do only yeah. owe it to our mothers. My dad is great for all that you know, for, for all yeah. intents and purposes. He's a great guy. But my my verbal prowess and you know yeah. comprehension and that I owe it to my mom. So yeah, exactly, I do yeah. it to my mom, bro. Yeah. Hug your mom twice and a it- day. Tell her you love her <laughs> twice a day at least. Yeah, It's not gonna be and- there forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to that, to that uh, ability, you know, I, de- I developed from, from an ang- being an ang- anxious and depressed teen <laughs> back, in, uh, back then, you know, I decided to master this. And, and the, the, the real uh, conclusion that I, that I decided, thought for myself 
on how to be uh, this uh, charming or attractive to people is really being genuine, being really you know, deep inside what is the truth. And, and if you really love someone, you know, in the, in the care for someone and talk to someone and, and express this, but, it act, but deep inside it is genuine, it is real, you know. And even if it's just chatting, on, like typing on, on a messenger chat, if you truly do that, there's I, there's some kind of magic that happens to where there where you can actually have a good friendship, develop a good relationship with someone on, just online, and this is a powerful thing because it, to be able to have that skill, you know, where and genuine goodness within you care for other people and to um, to magnify it in a in with in, with a tool like the internet you know basically i all i did was the message people and chat with them on facebook maybe and most of the time also talk with them video call i developed really good relationships with them and became really good friends and every day i talk to them and it's and uh, and then i don't do it just for the money i never do and I, you know, I share with them who I am, what I'm about, what I'm, my goals are, and they, and 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 these people, you know, they 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 relate as well. And mm. uh, so when it comes to uh, when I tell them the reason as to why I'm doing the podcast, you know, and they they understand that I, that I and they can see with my track record, right? I, I'm doing the podcast on a normal scale. And a constant scale where I, I, they can see my my vigor, my ambition, and being just a genuine guy, and they they can see that I'm not just some scammer that trying to get mm. their money or not. They can see they I have evidence to show. Mm. I have my and I have be, being real is is my is is my tool. yeah. You have to find yeah. You have you gotta be genuine because people will exactly. smell that bullshit from a mile away. Exactly. They'll know. They'll know exactly what the fuck you're all about. It doesn't take people long. It's it's an evolutionary exactly. thing. You know. You don't have time to think about is this thing gonna kill me or not. You had moments and you know seconds to to figure out and make that decision right away. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's very mm-hmm. important nowadays to be genuine and to be uh. You know, and, and, and just to, you know, just to know what, what the fuck you're all about and just be that exactly. on, a, on, a, yeah. on, a con, on a consistent scale, on a consistent mm. basis. Right. So I was first first time I, I came across your work. OK, I, I put forth this question and it's a newbie question. You know, how do you actually find guests to, to come on your podcast? Do you just cold call people or do you find groups where you you you? You put yourself in, uh, you, you embed yeah. yourself in, okay. and then you, you, how, how did you, how do you come up? Because for some reason, your, your podcast is very consistent from, from the earlier episodes to your later ones. The theme is consistent. It's all about those three, philo- those three things, philosophy, religion, and a bit of politics. Yeah. Okay. How did you, yeah. how, how did you make such a consistent uh, pool uh, of people to, to, to come to be on? Honest? To be honest, I trusted the Facebook algorithm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What that means is that what, uh, you know, um, Facebook is, a, you know, when you watch the social media dilemma, right? And one of the things that's awesome about Facebook, it gathers information 
as to your the 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 most of the type of people you interact with, right? And the and most you know what's happened is you know when you add friends who are interested in this stuff and into this Facebook groups and and they engage, right? Uh, you yeah, uh, there are Facebook suggests you people that that are in the same ranks, the same interests. You add them, and I add them, right? And I converse with them, and I make poll engaging posts, and they inter and I and when they comment, I interact, and I build relationships, and and uh, and what most of my guests are actually recommends, right? When I after my at the end of my podcast, I ask them, okay, bro. Um, I'm looking for guests. You know, do you know anyone good? I said, and uh, this guy, right? Now he has a YouTube channel. And then, okay, when I get that guy, hey, hey, bro, do you know any guests? And then so on. Okay, what, what's your what's your workflow? I'm more interested in your workflow. So you find yeah. you you engage with somebody online, like I did with you. I saw I saw your post and I reached out. And it took a while for us to actually do this. <laughs> I think we were sitting on it for for a month mm-hmm. at least to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So, so you you find somebody, and then you, you maybe you find their YouTube channel, and then do you just send them an email, or how do you reach out and actually make it happen? What's your workflow? Uh, I do it all on Facebook, but basically, uh, right now in the past, uh, maybe this April, May, uh, March, maybe I didn't have any uh, much episodes because I started. Uh, juggling work and college online college and i'm also um, focusing on other projects of mine and i told myself okay well i'm satisfied actually with my podcast and i want to do it on a, on a monthly level now i want to slow down a bit okay you know? yeah yeah so yeah and the, and the, you know I, I felt like um i actually told myself after 100 episodes i'm gonna slow down i'm gonna do it weekly or once every two weeks and focus on other projects and i want to do <laughs> so from your from your me. i mean from the content that you have at the moment two weeks is a bit of a long wait i mean from a from a listener a viewer of your work but you know you do you yeah. man but well, all yeah. i'm saying is like you're you're putting out some real content some real value out there in the world and <laughs> you know everybody knows we we need that we need that now. We need more I value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need more value. We need mm. more. We need mm. better content, you know, because people, people will just keep consuming and it's not going to slow down. People are just going to keep mm. consuming. And once mm. this whole, the only barrier really is just internet connection, speed and accessibility. But mm. with this whole Starlink thing, we don't know, man, like people will have there, you know, there, there's about two point, three billion people now who's connected to the internet judging by the the global population obviously excluding you know including sorry including children Mm. infants Mm. just the whole global census there's about seven billion people now Mm. if you if you have that number it's about 3.5 billion people and out of those 3.5 billion because the other half are babies and you know old 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 people people who are just you know just just are won't be able to to access the internet the other half the 3.5 billion people out of that 2.3 billion people are already connected you're talking like a good two-thirds of those people who are able to connect to the internet are connected already so we're you're looking at another billion plus people 
And it, that, that number is just going to keep growing until everybody's just connected. Until everybody is just connected to this whole neural link matrix thing. So I think it's important to put out, to keep putting out these, these quality content for people to consume because they're just going to so. keep consuming. Yeah. You know, and yeah. yeah, and I just want to say before we, we, we end this podcast, I just want to say like your work has affected me to the point that I actually took action to reach out to you to make something happen because I thought that yeah I really thought you had you had something to share and I awesome. had yeah and and tonight was a pleasure picking your brains <laughs> okay I actually meant to do that bro because I already had those questions ready but I didn't want oh, to okay. put it out I did, I didn't want to put it out there during the pre-call because hmm. I really wanted to to get the most genuine reaction from you when I put those. Well, I'm still those, a those 21 questions years out, old, yeah. so I there's still time to make good content, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, keep keep doing it, dude. And um, I just hope that we could we could probably work 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 together again at some point in the future. Thank you for coming on as mm-hmm. the first guest to the the scale of it all podcast, where we talk about things that you don't think about but you should. So that's what this mm-hmm. podcast is all about. Like questions, okay. questions that you don't, you don't usually think about because you're just either too distracted or if you thought about them, you wouldn't be able to get on with your day. Like imagine if you had to think about that every day. Like, what, what, <laughs> yeah, it, look, it looks like you have it. And, and yeah, but for other people out there who are juggling work, family mm-hmm. and their passions mm-hmm. on the side, I mean, so this podcast is designed, you know, for people to take time and to just like really think about these things that we don't usually think about, but we should. I see. Right. And um, awesome. yeah, yeah, man. And again, thank you for sharing your thoughts on various topics today on the, the Scale of It All podcast. I'm going to I'm going to give you this chance now to tell people where to find you or where <laughs> if people want to see what you're all about. You're right, you could you could plug your work now. Go ahead. All right. Well, um, if, um, if, um, please check out Elmo's World podcast. Just Google it or uh, search it on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and take a listen. You know, you might learn something. <laughs> you might That's learn. Awesome. Yeah, you might learn something. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for your time, Elmo, and I hope to see you again on the next ones. All right. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. All right, man.